Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Uh, Today we're continuing our series on character is power. Would you say out loud with me, character is power. And today what I want to look at is the subject of integrity. In the world today, we are facing what one academic describes as an integrity deficit. An integrity deficit. Trust in institutions, leaders, politicians is at an all-time low. And the consequences of an integrity deficit are devastating for the world. When a politician lies, it has a huge impact. When people commit evil, it ruins lives. It ruins even nations as we're seeing right now in the headlines. People are searching for integrity. I mean, literally, the online dictionary, Merriam-Webster, describes that the word integrity is one of the most regularly searched for words at all. Hold that definition for a moment. Literally, people are searching right now for this, this concept, this, 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 um, this thing, this mystery unicorn called integrity. Not just a definition of it, but it's because we want integrity in our lives. And if I took a straw poll today of those of you online in the chat or those of you in the room and said, hands up everyone who thinks integrity is a good quality to have, we'd all put our hands up, right? If you're like, hands up, you think your life is a beacon of integrity, be like, well, most of the time I try. The reality is we don't get it right. So we're searching for this concept of integrity that we want in our lives. Here's how Merriam-Webster defines it. They say this, integrity is a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. We talk about people having integrity. They're not prepared to compromise their convictions, convictions in the face of pressure. We, second definition is, is an unimpaired condition. In other words, our state and decisions are not corruptible. We're acting in a way that follows our convictions through. Third definition is the quality of state or state of being complete or undivided. In other words, what you see is what you get. That there's a consistency inside and out. Think of it like this. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And as a culture, we aspire to integrity. The legendary investor, Warren Buffett, said he looks for three things in people he's trying to hire. Number one, integrity. Number two, intelligence. And number three, energy. And he says this, if you don't have the first two, the other two will kill you. First one, sorry, the other two will kill you. In other words, if you don't have integrity, it doesn't matter how talented or intelligent or bright or hardworking you are, it'll be your downfall. That's how important integrity is. And when people act without integrity, we are outraged. When politicians lie, we feel this sense of injustice. And conversely, when people act with integrity, with the courage of their convictions, we are inspired. But while we applaud integrity in others, it's not always our own natural state. I certainly know this is true in my life. 
Let me give you one example. When I was in my 20s, early 20s, I started going gray. And uh, my mum had gone gray really early. She had very dark hair and started going gray when she was in her 20s. And I had inherited her hair. And, and I started going gray. And friends would come up to me and, and like stop and say, hang on a minute. Uh, wait, wait, you've got a gray hair. And they're like, pull it, walk over, like pull it out. Do you remember people doing that to you in like the playground? So annoying. Eventually it became like, kind of like they were basically pulling out all my hair. They're walking up to me going, you've got another one, bing, another one, bing. I was like, stop. And I felt really embarrassed about going gray. And so one day I decided, okay, I'm going to sort this out. I went to Boots. <laughs> and I bought one of those like hair dye kits for men. Um, that, as far as I could tell, are exactly like hair dye kits for women, except like, like they have a man on the front cover. It's like it's just custom for men. And I went to my bathroom and I dyed my hair and uh, it was supposed to cover over my gray hairs. What ended up happening, I had kind of like ginger hairs for a while. Uh, I'd like grown ginger hairs along with my black hairs. And I walked into this um, meeting, I'll never forget, and this friend who knew me really well said to me, hey, hang on a minute, have you dyed your hair? And I was like, I felt so embarrassed. And I, I, I remember sort of stalling it and thinking, oh, this is so awkward. And I was like, no. I haven't dyed my hair. No, it's just the light. Uh, and then he went, no, let me have a good look. He's like, you've dyed your hair. And I was like, no, no, no. And I denied it. Now to be clear, there's nothing wrong with dyeing your hair. There's nothing wrong with dyeing your hair. What was wrong with my integrity was being compromised because I was lying about something that someone had said to me. I wasn't being straightforward. I felt like a fraud because I was choosing to project something on the outside that was different to what was happening in reality. And I guess in my conscience, I felt it was wrong. As you can see today, I've got plenty of gray hair, so I've got over it. But the point was, it, it, it doesn't sit well deep inside us when we don't act with integrity. But we all sure fall short. Take it when like a friend buys some new clothes and they come and see you and they're like, hey, do you like my new, new outfit? And you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's horrible. And you kind of have that dilemma of like, mm, mm, mm. what do you think of this dress? Ah, it's great. Or when you're late at work and your boss says, um, hey, why were you late? <laughs> Everyone familiar with that? Wow, you, oh, you won't believe the overground. Oh, the overground. Anyone ever done that? Come on, fess up. The overground. You don't go into details. Just say the overground or, or the traffic, like it's a statement. The, the traffic. Oh, that explains it. <laughs> or when at work, it's easy to be under pressure to compromise. Maybe somebody in, in your team is, is like slagging off someone else. And they say, oh, that person's a real so-and-so, aren't they? And it's so easy to kind of jump in and say, yeah, you know what, and you start bad-mouthing them. And it's tempting to join in because we're conditioned for relational agreement, not for conflict. And so we can end up compromising our integrity, and over time it can become like this habit that, that starts to eat away at us on the inside. And let me tell you something, let me demystify something for you. Integrity is not um, a quality that is the preserve of a certain character type. 
or a personality type, or people with like advanced ethical and emotional skills. It's not something that's just for the great saints, but it's something that's for regular people like you and me. It's people who make mistakes, who try and wriggle when they're under pressure. In fact, God not only wants you and I to live a life of integrity, but he's already given you and I a very simple mechanism through which every one of us can exercise integrity every day. So what I'm going to share with you this morning is not like complicated, you'll be relieved to hear. It's not unattainable. It's not something we have to work towards. What you're going to find is actually God knows who we are. He knows how we work. And the journey to acting with integrity is not something unattainable for us. That's good news. Instead, it's something that every one of us, God wants to empower to be able to do each day. And what God does is he uses a very simple thing that every one of us does all day, every day, from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep. I wonder if you can guess what it is. It's not a self-help tool. It's not something you need to learn. It's not something that psychologists need to help you with. It's not something that theologians or coaches are going to train you in. It's something that you have been doing instinctively from the very moment you first breathed your first breath and you'll keep doing till the very day you breathe your last breath. It's something that an average person will do on average 35,000 times each day. Can you guess what it is? The key to integrity is the choices we make. Very simple. Today, you will make, on average, 35,000 decisions. The arc and trajectory of your life can be traced through the quality of the decisions you make. C.S. Lewis says this, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. Taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, you are slowly turning this central thing into either a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. So the average person will make 2,000 decisions each hour. That's two every second. Right now, you're making decisions, whether to write down that C.S. Lewis quote, whether to listen to what I'm saying, whether to get your phone, whether to fiddle, whether to sit up, whether to sit down, whether to yawn. You are making decisions all the time, and most of them aren't of huge consequence. But some of them will have a consequence on your integrity. The decision whether to join in with the banter in the office or at the school gate when someone's speaking badly of somebody else whether to do the hard thing, whether to compromise, whether to be harsh or to be kind. The choices we make will dictate whether or not we are acting with integrity. The writer Brenny Brown says this. She describes integrity like this. Choosing courage over comfort. Choosing what is right over what is fun, fast and easy. And choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. So the good news is we don't have to be very complicated. If we allow God into our choices and our decision-making, he will begin to help us live lives of integrity. 
Now let's get really practical. I want to give you today three simple tools that you can use tomorrow in the office or at the school gate or with your family or your flatmates or your friends when you're out on a, a night out. Three questions that are going to help you choose the right choice when it comes to crafting a life of integrity. And if you've spent your whole life thinking, I have zero integrity, let me reassure you that God is able to do right now far more through the power of your choices than your past will do with the power of your guilt. That's the reality of the good news of Jesus. The past is pretty powerless when it comes to God's grace and mercy. So three questions. You might want to write these down. The first question, which we're going to ask ourselves in the workplace tomorrow or at the school gate tomorrow or in the nightclub on Friday night, is real simple. It's this, what would Jesus do? In Matthew's Gospel, 1634, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, our lives belong already to Jesus. So next time you're facing a question, or someone puts you on a spot, or there's a decision to make, ask your line manager. <laughs> ask your boss. Your life belongs to him. Say, Lord, what would you do? If this was you, what would you do in this situation? Maybe it's a challenge at work. Maybe it's a temptation to compromise. Maybe you've got yourself into a mess behind closed doors that no one knows about. A while back, I, I made a bad decision. And I'd embarked on a course of action that in my life was, was kind of causing pain to someone that I loved. And I was sort of bringing division and disunity in some relationships by something I'd done without really thinking about it. And I realized that, that very graciously God had started to speak to me about this. And lovingly, I guess the Holy Spirit started convicting me that I needed to change. And I rang a mentor, a friend, and I explained the situation to them. And they said the wisest thing. They said, the fastest way to get on the right track when you're on the wrong track is simply to get on the right track immediately. <laughs> and I was like, of course, it's so simple. The fastest way when you've got something wrong in your life to sort it out is to get on the right track. Don't hang around procrastinating. Don't put it in the pending pile. Don't hide it in a drawer. Deal with it. Ask, what would Jesus do in this situation, with this temptation, with this relationship, with this issue in my life, with this area where I always feel like I fall over, this place where I feel like I'm lying? Jesus would deal with it quickly. Take it to the cross. Take it to Jesus. Ask your line manager to sort it out. And I found that so helpful. Sure enough, I went back to that friend that I was causing pain to and I explained I was really sorry and, and really quickly that relationship was sorted out. So first question to ask yourself is, what would Jesus do? Maybe you're worried about a situation right now in your life. Maybe there's something that you're waking up about. Maybe there's someone here and you're, you're thinking about something right now. Ask yourself the question, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in your situation? Martin Luther King says this, the time is always right to do what is right. Amen? First question, what would Jesus do? Second question when making a decision is what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say? The words you and I speak have great power. Power of life and death. 
to crush or to heal, to build up or to pull down. And Jesus makes the direct link between our words and our integrity. He says literally that our words flow from the inside of us. They are the overflow of the heart. Look at Matthew 12, verse 34 to 36. Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of good stored up in him. And an evil man brings out evil things, the evil stored up in him. In other words, integrity, what's on the inside is going to come out. And he says this, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. In other words, God is saying that the words we use matter. And that one day we're going to have to give account for how we've spoken, how we, what we've said about each other. A while ago, we were sitting in my kitchen with my family, and um, uh, I was chatting to the family, and my, my phone, my iPhone, uh, Siri, had kind of got involved in the conversation. Has that ever happened to you? And they'd been listening along, and just said really loudly, I don't understand. And my family found this really helpful. I was trying to explain something profound, and, and my phone just said, I don't understand. And we were like, Siri's listening to everything. And we had this like moment where we're like, I wonder who else is listening. Maybe like some government agency is listening. And then we're thinking, well, wow, everything you do now is like monitored maybe. Well, the truth is none of that really matters. Of course, we believe in privacy. That's really good. We don't want to become a state that's controlled. But equally, if we believe that God is God and he listens and cares about our actions and our words and what we do behind closed doors, in one sense, our whole lives are lived under the eyes and the ears of a God who loves us. A God who will hold us accountable for how we use our time, our money, our, our bodies, and our words. So ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus say? We can be greatly encouraging with our words. But equally, we can be hugely destructive with our words. What would Jesus say in this situation you're facing? Well, Never say anything behind someone's back that you wouldn't be prepared to say to their face. It seems to me that's what Jesus is getting at. There's got to be integrity. What's on the inside needs to be matching what's on the outside. And that's really hard, isn't it? When you're speaking to someone, try and let your words build them up rather than pull them down. Be slow to criticize and quick to forgive. And always, always tell the truth. I have a friend who told me recently out of the blue that, that they'd not been entirely truthful about a situation in their life. And they came to me and they said, hey, you know, I've told you one thing, but actually the reality is it's a little bit different and I've actually not been telling the truth. And they were really embarrassed. They were really sorry. Um, and I had no idea that what they'd been saying was different to what was going on. And they were expecting me to be annoyed with them. But when they came to me and said, look, I, I, I really feel I want to be honest with you. Let me tell you what's really going on. Do you think I thought that they had more integrity or less integrity? The answer is I thought they had more integrity because they were coming and saying, without me catching them out, they were saying, look, there's something in my life that I, I just haven't been right about and I need to make right. You see, words matter. Telling the truth matters. Somebody once said to me, if a politician can lie to his wife, then what stops him lying to the country? And that's certainly true. It's really important that we use our words carefully, that we're truthful, that we're honest, even if it's hard. 
So we ask ourselves a second question when it comes to integrity. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus say? Think of a situation where you've got to have a hard conversation or maybe a conversation that's coming up you think, oh, that's going to be really difficult. Picture it in your head and then ask yourself, in that situation, what would Jesus say? How would Jesus use his words in that situation? So second question that we ask ourselves when we make those choices to open our mouths is what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? And the third thing is this. It's real simple. Is what would Jesus pray? What would Jesus pray? When you make a decision, you make a choice, there's an opportunity for God to act in your life in such a way that it builds up your integrity rather than diminishing your integrity. But to do that, we have to ask God to help us because we all need help. The church is not a club for perfect people. It is a hospital for broken people. We are all in recovery from sin. That's what the gospel is. It's good news for broken people like me and you. And we need help. We can't get through the day, the 35,000 decisions we've got to make today without God helping us along the way. So the third thing is to ask, what would Jesus pray? Because Jesus cares about your life. He's watching you right now. He's watching the decisions that you will make, and he cares about it. I heard a story that I love of a, a burglar broke into a flat in the middle of the night. And he breaks into the flat and he's crawling around on the floor of the flat trying to find something to steal and he hears this voice. He says, Jesus is watching you. He freezes. He looks around, there's no one there. And he carries on. He crawls a bit further on the floor. He's got his pocket torch out. And the voice says again, Jesus is watching you. And he shines his flashlight and he, to his relief, sees the voices coming from a parrot on a stand. He says, who are you? To the parrot. The parrot says, I'm Moses. And under his breath, the man says to himself, what kind of idiots call a parrot Moses? And the parrot replies, the same people who call a 60-pound pit bull terrier Jesus. Jesus is watching you. But he's not waiting to catch you out. He's not like a pit bull terrier, waiting to swoop and, and kind of like intervene in your life and, and, and like, like cause you pain and ruin your fun and catch you out. Jesus is watching you because he loves you. He's got his eye on you. He cares that you would become a person who walks in integrity all the days of your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that even right now, today, wherever you're watching this, online or in the room, that Jesus is praying for you. Have you ever wonder what he's praying for you today? Jesus says, it says twice in the Bible, in Romans and in Hebrews, that God is, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Isn't that a crazy idea? I wonder what he might pray for you today. I wonder what he's praying for the decisions you're going to make today. Oh, no. Father, would you just, Holy Spirit, go and help that person quickly. Before, oh, they've done it again. Oh, no. Al's gone for the hair dye. Oh, or whatever it might be. 
I wonder what Jesus might be praying for you today. Because when we get to to get our heart aligned with what God's heart for our lives is, amazing things can happen. When we start to get his agenda for our life, we find that he's able to do extraordinary things. And in a sense, you don't have to wait to ask God what he's praying for you for today. You can talk to him yourself. God wants to FaceTime you. He wants to do heart to heart with you. He wants you to make space for him to speak to you. He's longing to talk to you. I love the old hymn that says this, what a friend we have in Jesus. Do you remember that one? All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And Jesus makes this link between prayer and integrity. Listen to this. In Matthew, again, chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. In other words, it's a show. They lacked integrity. For they love to stand praying in the synagogues on the street corners and be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who sees what is done in secret and will reward you. When I started out in ministry... I'd left a career in in film and I started working for a church and I've got to tell you, it was really hard work. I found it really hard. I struggled in my job. I wanted to go back and and do the film thing and and yet here I was and it wasn't working out how I planned in ministry. And I was really frustrated one afternoon. I went to this friend and I said, look, can we just go for a walk? We went for a walk around some, some, like a park near where I was working And I was pouring out my heart to this guy saying, I was complaining about this and complaining about that. And he said to me this thing. He said, Al, can I just let you know something? He said, God's primary purpose for your life, God's primary plan for your life is to form the character of Jesus Christ in you. That's what his plan is for your heart it's not this job or that job or this opportunity or that opportunity or this situation or that what God wants to do is make you more like Jesus so rather than spending all your time worrying about stuff why don't you go and take it to the Lord in prayer and let him work in your heart and I remember that really hit me I was like I'd never thought of it like that And then when I began to pray about it, I began to understand that God is shaping me in every situation. This is he'll be shaping you when your integrity is challenged or your life gets hard or people let you down or they betray you or they hurt you. That is a moment where you can intact your heart before God and say, Lord, help me. Help me make the right decision today. Help me live a life of integrity. It's not like nectar points, by the way, or swimming badges. We don't earn integrity. It's something we do by spending time with Jesus. Lord, I don't know what to do. Teach me to pray. Lord, I don't know what to say. Put words in my mouth. Put a watch on my lips and a guard on my tongue. Uh, Lord, I don't know where to walk, but let your word light up my path before you, that I might walk in your way. That's the little decisions that you and I can pray right now. We can pray tomorrow. We can pray tonight when no one's looking. We're tempted to think something or behave in certain ways. In those moments, we can invite God in and we can choose to let him craft 
integrity in our lives. So ask yourself today, what would Jesus pray? What is he praying for me in this situation I'm facing in my life? Amen? So when we ask these three questions, we think about how we can live a life of integrity by choosing to do what God is calling us to do in our actions, in our words, by connecting with him in prayer. What happens when we do this? Like, write those three things down. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus pray? If you put those things into action this week, what's going to happen in your life? What's the impact? Well, what you're going to find is real simple. God is going to help you act with a little bit more integrity this week. You know, it may take a lifetime. We may make lots of mistakes. We may need to keep rebooting and starting all over again. But just keep reminding yourself that you're a work in progress. That you and I can do it because God is able to do it in our lives. Integrity may make your default, but God is crafting you like a sculptor crafts a piece of work. He's chipping away week in, week out. Every decision submitted to him prayerfully, asking him what he wants us to do according to his word and led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to find that over a lifetime of those decisions, God is able to craft something extraordinary through the tools of his grace and his mercy and his kindness. And his aim in all of this is to make you more like Jesus, to become fully the person you're created to be, a person of integrity, of transparency, of honesty, of life, reflects his image. And but God will do this because he's totally committed to it in your life. When you gave your life to him, he didn't keep the receipt. He wasn't like, well, I'll see if I can work with that person. I'll give him a couple of years, but if after a couple of years we'll have a kind of appraisal, if their life isn't going very well, I'll put them back on the shelf. Now, God is committed to transforming your life, to helping you walk in integrity in the same way that a sculptor is committed to their work. Let me tell you a story to end with this. 1410, the year 1410, Florence Cathedral in Italy commissioned a series of sculpture figures. The project involved the leading artists of the day, including Donatello, Augustino de Duco, who were commissioned to create a sculpture, a series of sculptures of the kings of the Old Testament. They found a huge block of marble, five meters tall, called the giant, and they began working on it. But they found that once they started working on this marble, it wasn't very good quality. It didn't have integrity. It wasn't particularly you know, malleable. It wasn't soft enough to work with. It had veins and, and, and hard bits and would split open. And so eventually the work was abandoned in, six, in 1466 by an artist called Augustino who just said, I, I can't be bothered with it anymore and put it to one side. But the cathedral didn't want to give up, so they committed to another artist called Rossellino who was contracted to finish the work, but he gave up after a year. He said the marble is absolutely unworkable. It, it can't be dealt with. It was too heavy to move, so the cathedral authorities moved it away into the courtyard at the side of the cathedral, and it lay on its side for a quarter of a century, discarded and thrown away. Desperate to find a solution to this giant block of marble, eventually they reached out to the leading artist of the generation, Leonardo da Vinci. He was the most famous artist, a genius, and he turned up and he looked at this marble and he said, do you know what? It's unworkable. I can't do anything with this. 
The marble was too difficult. The tools kept breaking. So Leonardo da Vinci passed on it and said, no way. Maybe your life feels a little bit like that today. Maybe you think, I could never live a life of integrity. It's too hard. There are too many flaws in the raw material. God, you know, has tried, but the tools just seem to keep breaking. But here's the thing, God never gives up on you. The story continues, a young artist in his 20s persuaded the cathedral authorities to let him work on the piece. And for two years, he chipped away at the block of marble, piece by piece, removing section of marble by section of marble, working with the veins, working with the weathering. He never gave up for two years solidly. And by 1504, the work was finished, almost a century after it had been commissioned. What many others had considered impossible, what many great experts had concluded was unworkable, what had been left on the scrap heap had now become a masterpiece. Maybe you recognize it. Probably the most famous sculpture in the world. Michelangelo's Statue of David. On one occasion, the Pope came to visit Michelangelo as he was working on this lump of marble. And the Pope said to him, how do you do it? What's your technique? Everyone's had a go, but you're continuing. What are you trying to do? How do you craft something that's so hard? And Michelangelo is supposed to have replied, it's simple, pointing to the block of marble. He said, I remove everything that is not David. You see, God wants to use integrity in your life to remove everything from your life that's not who you're truly meant to be. And God is not going to give up on you. It may feel like it's hard work. You may feel like you're lying on the scrap heap at times. It may feel like nobody notices what's going on behind the scenes. But God, by his love, by the work of the Holy Spirit, is chipping away at the sin in our lives, in our decisions, until one day we'll stand before him in glory. And he will say over your life, look, it's finished. It's a masterpiece. Come and see what grace can do. Come and see what a life lived in a place of forgiveness and integrity can look like. Why don't we stand together this morning? And I wonder today if some of us may be watching online, you're you're thinking, "I, I feel like that bit of discarded marble. I want to live a life of integrity. I can't. Let me reassure you of this. In Ezekiel, God says this, I will put my spirit in you. I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will give you an undivided heart. Maybe you're here today and you feel held back by hurt or shame or embarrassment. Maybe the Holy Spirit has put something in your life right now. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe you've not used your words to build up. You've used them to pull down. Let me encourage you today to come to the cross. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just need to get back on the right track and make our lives new again. Maybe you're here today and you feel tired from the weight of compromise. Maybe in your work, it's been like hard. You're trying to be all things to all people. And it feels like when you try and stand, you can almost hardly stand before God because there's this burden of compromise on your life. Well, let me tell you the good news this morning that God wants to lift that burden off you right now that the joy of the Lord might be your strength. And I wonder today if there are others here, and God literally wants to renew you. 
to make you new by the Holy Spirit so that you might not have to make these decisions on your own, that Christ in you, the hope of glory, would help you. So what I'm going to ask that you would do is, is be brave and the guys in the studio will pick this up with you online as well, but we're going to make space for the Holy Spirit to fill us right now. And let me pray for us as we make room for him. Come, Holy Spirit, fill your people this morning. Fill everyone watching online. Come and fill us with your life and your love. Make us new, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.